everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So today on this magnificent day in June, I will be telling you about a fellow badass Maryland native who has an absolutely extraordinary story. To put it lightly, actual generations of families would not exist if not for the actions of this single individual. This person was a literal beacon, leading those who were willing from the depths of darkness to the liberty of light. Through their work, this individual earned the title of the Moses of her people, forever immortalized in history as strength, power, and fortitude personified. Today's story is about the indomitable, the incredible, the amazing Harriet Tubman. So let's get right into it. Harriet Tubman was born Araminta Ross around 1820 in Dorchester County, Maryland. Harriet had nine other siblings, all of whom were born into slavery along with her parents. The suffering of the enslaved African-American people during this time period cannot be overstated. As early as five years old, Harriet worked as a field hand and maid, as well as cooking and doing a bit of carpentry work on the plantation. Three of Harriet's siblings were sold to different plantations when the children were very young, splitting apart and essentially devastating the family. After Harriet's three siblings were sold away, Harriet's mother was forever changed. An interested plantation owner had traveled from Georgia to purchase Harriet's youngest brother, Moses. Harriet witnessed her mother refuse to allow her son to be taken, a powerful memory that shows a glimpse of the foundation of Harriet's inner grit. Harriet suffered several ghastly injuries early on in life, including severe lashings that left permanent scarring all over her body. One particular incident resulted in one of the more dire injuries for Harriet. Harriet was running an errand in town when she'd encountered an overseer and a slave that had left the plantation on their own. As Harriet drew closer, the overseer told Harriet that she must help him restrain the man who was trying to escape. Harriet flat out refused to help as any nice and normal person would. In return for Harriet taking a stand, the overseer threw a two-pound weight that hit Harriet in the head. This injury gave Harriet a lifelong host of neurological issues, including seizures, narcolepsy, and horrible headaches. Harriet had said after the incident that she would experience dream states that she likened to spiritual religious experiences. While suffering through untold physical abuse, Harriet had to endure harrowing psychological abuse as well. Harriet's family had stipulations in the will of a previous owner that granted them all some form of freedom after a certain age. Harriet's father was the first to be freed at the age of 45, but the family's current owners chose not to honor the contract and free the rest of Harriet's family. Due to the lack of legal status for freed African-Americans, Harriet's father had no options in order to force his family's freedom. 
Such was the inhumane treatment endured for most of Harriet's life. Around 1844, Harriet met a free man named John Tubman. There isn't much information about John, their marriage, or whether Harriet had any children with John. Due to heritage status, as Harriet was enslaved, any children she would have had would be enslaved as well. Around 1849, after being married to John for about five years, Harriet heard that there were plans for her to be sold to another plantation. With this knowledge, Harriet had a decision to make. Being sold meant being torn away yet again from her husband, the familiar, all that she had known and built without any ability to control where she ended up. Being thrust into the unknown, into a possibly worse situation that could very well lead to her early demise. At this time, Harriet was older and had just recovered from a long sickness. She wasn't as strong due to her injuries, making her unable to work, thus less viable and more likely to be killed or mistreated by her owners. With all this knowledge, Harriet made a choice. Harriet was going to flee. She knew that her window to freedom was closing fast. After living a life being beaten down, losing family, no ability to do anything but work and survive, enough was enough. Sadly, John, Harriet's husband, would not accompany her on her journey to freedom. John declined to join Harriet, citing the danger in the journey, fearing being caught and hung for their escape. Harriet knew all of this as well. She knew the risks, knew that capture would result in certain death. Harriet decided to leave in spite of it all. Harriet left the plantation and began her escape in the dead of night around September 17, 1849. Ben and Harry, Harriet's brothers, initially joined her on her escape. In the beginning of their journey, the two brothers saw that a reward had been posted for Harriet's return. They became unnerved by the large amount of the reward and decided to turn back. Harriet continued on, alone. Harriet used the Underground Railroad, a series of covert trails and safe houses to travel almost 100 miles to Philadelphia. This is a quote from Harriet describing the feeling of stepping over the state line into the free state of Philadelphia. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the field, and I felt like I was in heaven. Although Harriet made it safely to Philadelphia, she did not stop there. Harriet returned to rescue her family, beginning with her sister and her sister's two children, after hearing that they may be sold as well. This would mark the first of many trips into Maryland to lead her fellow enslaved people to freedom via the Underground Railroad. Harriet would make more than 13 trips into Maryland, where she aided more than 70 enslaved people in traveling the Underground Railroad to Canada to freedom. This is even more exceptional when framed with the historical context of that time period. While previously, enslaved people were able to escape slavery by entering a free state, that completely changed when the Fugitive Slave Law was passed in 1950. 
This law made it legal for plantation owners to pursue fugitive slaves into free states. This essentially prevented the North from being a free territory and negated the freedom status one received after fleeing. With the passage of this new law, this did not deter or prevent Harriet from continuing her work in helping those who wanted to escape. After the passage of the law, Harriet decided to reroute her final destination from Maryland to Canada, where slavery was unequivocally illegal. For those who followed Harriet off the plantation towards freedom, there was no turning back. Harriet made sure of that by threatening anyone who accompanied her with death for trying to return. She was not going to jeopardize the lives of those she led to freedom, which was a huge risk for someone who returned to the plantation. The woman was a force to be reckoned with. Mind you, she's suffering from all these injuries, as well as old age at this time. It's reported that everyone who traveled with her, Harriet never had a defector. All who traveled with her made it to the other side. All made it to freedom. Harriet was one of the Underground Railroad's most famous conductors. Because of this, Harriet became one of the most wanted women in the South. The rewards offered by plantation owners for Harriet's capture equaled close to $40,000, which was quite a hefty sum back in the day. While slavery sympathizers viewed Harriet as their worst enemy, abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass viewed Harriet as who she was, a savior. Arguably, one of the most famed abolitionists, John Brown, held Harriet in the highest regard. John Brown dubbed Harriet General Tubman and consulted with her as he was recruiting supporters for his campaign to storm a federal armory in Harper's Ferry. Yes, you heard that right. John Brown asked Harriet Tubman for help before he stormed Harper's Ferry. Like, I don't know about you guys, but that fact sends my brain into a mini meltdown. Just FYI. After John's execution, Harriet praised him as a martyr. Harriet also said that she had had visions about John Brown's raid before the fateful day. In spite of her age, in spite of her injuries, in spite of her hardships, Harriet continued to fight for the rights of her fellow enslaved people. Throughout the Civil War, Harriet participated in any way she could in Union war efforts. She worked as a nurse, as well as a cook for Union forces. Through her reputation, Harriet also became a spy and was the first woman to lead an armed front in the war. The result of that momentous expedition was the liberation of over 600 slaves. Harriet would also work as a spy in Confederate territory, reporting back valuable information in order for Union troops to strategize and coordinate better attacks. Between the years 1862 to 1866, Harriet served in the Union forces, essentially a member of the service. It should also be noted Harriet was compensated so little for her work that she had to support herself by selling food. That was her main source of income, selling homemade goods. Around early 1859, Harriet had acquired land in Auburn, New York. She swiftly moved her parents, whom she'd freed, 
and other family and friends to this land, turning it into a sanctuary for those she loved and cared for. After the war, Harriet spent most of her time on this property, devoting her time to a number of charitable causes. Although Harriet lived on her own land and had worked for the Union Army for many years, she'd always suffered financially. This did not prevent her from giving, literally, all that she had. Harriet made it her mission to provide for those who could not provide for themselves until the very end. In Auburn, Harriet began to care for the elderly and orphans, people that society had overlooked, and usually those who needed the help the most. Harriet was also an advocate for women's rights and the women's suffrage movement. Around the year 1904, Harriet donated a portion of her land to the African Methodist Episcopalian Church, which would later become the Harriet Tubman Home for the Aged. As Harriet grew older, she watched her family grow with pride, free. Although Harriet was free from bondage, she unfortunately still suffered from the pain and injuries that she'd received during that time in her life. Harriet eventually had to undergo surgery to help with the seizures and other symptoms she experienced resulting from her brain injury. After her surgery, Harriet was eventually admitted to a rest home to live out the rest of her days beside her friends and family. Harriet Tubman passed away from pneumonia at the ripe old age of 93 in March of 1913. Harriet died in a rest home that was named in her honor and buried with full military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn, New York. I mean, where can I even begin in describing this superhero of a woman? Harriet's legacy was, and still is, immeasurable. This woman was forged from grit, steel, sand, and stone. To not only have the strength to bring yourself to freedom, but then to have the absolute gonads to turn around and go back to help others. Let's not even mention the fact that she lived through slavery, lived through leading her family out of slavery, and then helped lead the country out of a civil war. Like, what is this? This woman was doing everything for everybody. As an African-American woman myself, I can't begin to express how stories like these move me. I do get a bit choked up to read and comprehend just a small glimpse of the atrocities my ancestors had to endure just for me to be sitting here speaking freely with you right now. It, it, the feeling is indescribable, and it really helps me to put things in perspective. So I'd like to do what I always do, which is leave you with a defining quote that I think really sums up the character of this individual. To say Harriet Tubman was tough doesn't quite capture the intensity of her will, but I think this quote sums it up pretty nicely. There are two things I've got a right to, and these are liberty or death. One or the other I mean to have. No one will take me back alive. I shall fight for my liberty, and when the time has come for me to go, the Lord will let them kill me. You can find Made of Metal on Instagram and Facebook at Made of Metal Podcast. So that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E Podcast. 
You can also check out our website, which is finally up, madeofmetalpodcast.com. If you'd like to support, please review and subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I'll be releasing episodes every Monday to let my smooth, sultry voice lull you into your manic Mondays. (laughs) I'll do what I can to make it a little better. (laughs) So as always, lovelies, thank you so much for listening and bloom where you are planted. (laughs) 